Hello, podcast listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Kingdom Talk with Tanya. I am so grateful we've been doing this thing now for a few months, and I'm just so, so very grateful for the response, and I am always grateful um, to God for calling me, for using me, for choosing me, um, and considering me worthy to uh, do this, to share the gospel. You're listening to Kingdom Talk with Tanya. It excites me. It's the thing I'm most passionate about, and I'm just glad you're here. Today, the title of my message is Be a Light. Be a Light. What would Jesus do? It is such a great honor to have the opportunity to walk this earth and to represent Christ in the earth. Um, That is what we're here to do. We are here to win souls, make disciples, make changes within ourselves and be everything that God has called us to be. This message is for those who consider themselves Christians and those who want to grow in Christ. It's also to those who are searching for direction. Maybe you don't know what you want. I think everyone fits in one of those categories. So this message is essentially for everybody. The scripture reading comes from Colossians 1, 12 through 14, and it reads, Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Thank God for Jesus. Thank you for our freedom Thank you that he has forgiven us of our sins and our transgressions. We're so, so very grateful. Thank you. Thanking God um, that we share in that inheritance and it belongs to us. We are his people and we live in the light. I'm so grateful for that. He drew us out of the darkness. He rescued us out of the darkness and transferred us into his kingdom, the kingdom of his dear son. Such a beautiful scripture. We are commanded to be a light. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will play, praise your heavenly father. See, when we're in that, when we are that light, God gets the glory. God gets the glory for us being a light, even when we're in bad or terrible circumstances or we're going through a lot and we still shine and shed our light on people. God gets the glory for that. A lamp, it's not hidden. We don't hide a lamp. We put a lamp on display so that it can give us light and take away the darkness. That is who we are to be, a light that's not hidden, a city set on a hill. That is who we are to be. The Bible also says in 1 Peter 2 and 9 that we are peculiar people. We are different. We're not supposed to be like the world. But unfortunately today, so many Christians are identical to the world. You can't tell the difference between a Christian or someone who is a God-fearing person and someone who is worldly. It's hard to tell the difference. The Bible says there's a form of godliness, but there's no power. There are some people that have a form of godliness, but they don't have any power. Why? Because they're not being a light. Because they're not truly representing Christ. 
And that, that's found in 2 Timothy 3 and 5. There are church goers, but are they church followers? Are you just a church goer or are you a church follower? It's one thing to go to church on Sunday mornings and even Wednesday night Bible study and to check that off your list. But it's another thing to walk it out every day, Monday through Sunday, to walk it out every single day. In this world today, we see a lack of standards. We see a lack of boundaries. We see very few people that are actually taking a stand for the truth, for God's truth. And it's time for us to go back. It's time for us to go back to our first love when we first believed, when we first came to Christ. After all, God said either to be hot or cold. He said, if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. And that's in Revelations 3, 15 through 17. And to me, this verse means that God prefers us to be either in the world or with him. Straddling the fence won't do. Straddling the fence is lukewarm. The Bible says that we're held accountable for our truth, for the truth. When you know better, you do better. We are to be in this world, but not of this world, as John 17 and 16 says. So to be lukewarm, it just is not going to work. Now, it's one thing to be in a position where you, you still have some struggles, but you have to desire to continue growing closer to Christ, and you have to shed yourself of those sinful ways. You have to work through it and get rid of the sinful ways, working towards becoming hot and not being lukewarm. There are some biblical examples of people that stood for what was right, no matter what, and they obeyed God's commands, and some of them were the cost. The one that first came to my heart when God put this message um, inside of me was Daniel. And I'm going to take a few minutes to share a little bit about Daniel's character. Daniel was faithful. Daniel was so faithful. Most people, if you know anything about the Bible, um, Daniel is the one that was in the lion's den. Um, so Daniel was taken to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And um, there he was discovered also to be wise. D Daniel interpreted the king's dreams and because of this, David was appointed to a very high authority, um, which was such a beautiful thing. But as you can imagine, people became jealous um, and they, you know, said some things about um, Daniel that wasn't true. Um, but the king had a hard time believing that because the king kind of trusted Daniel. So there came a, a point where King Nebuchadnezzar died and then the king became King Darius. When Darius became uh, the king, there was a decree that he signed into law that said no one could worship or pray to um, any king for 30 days except to him. And I believe he was lured into doing this because it was a setup for Daniel. But Daniel, he was a man of God. He loved the Lord and he prayed every day. As a matter of fact, he opened his windows. When this decree was placed, he intentionally opened his windows and three times a day, he got on his knees and he prayed not to King Darius, but to the Lord. And of course, he was told on because it was seen. So they told the king and they actually held the king responsible and held the king accountable for imprisoning Daniel and putting Daniel into the lion's den so that Daniel could be eaten. King Darius did not want to do it. He honestly didn't want to do it, but he did it. And what happened? Daniel survived. When that door opened the next morning, Daniel was still there with, with those lions, and he did not perish. So what it backfired on the people that had, um, had told on 
Daniel it backfired on his haters. Um, and Daniel ended up winning and God ended up getting in the glory. But Daniel remained faithful to God even at a cost and he ended up winning. I love the story of Daniel. The Bible says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We all want to do the right thing, I believe, if we love the Lord. We all want to be faithful to God, but our flesh is weak. Our flesh will never be saved. Our spirit wants to do the right thing. Our flesh is a hot mess. We live in a world where there's so much temptation, and it's on another level today. We have so many luxuries, especially in the U.S., like, if you hear the term first world problems, I've actually posted that on my social media. Like, I'll complain about something, but it's a first world problem. It's something that people in third world countries don't even, it's it's nothing to them because they, it's not even a, something that they, you know, are entitled to it or have availability to. But we in the U.S. especially, um, we're kind of spoiled and we're used to getting what we want. And we're used to this microwave society and things coming quick. But it's, it's tough in this world today because there's so many luxuries and so many negative influences. I always say that social media is a gift and a curse. It's all in how you lose, use it. Let me talk about what we must do. I'm going to talk about what we must do as men and women of God to be more like Christ and less like the world. We have to turn from the world. We have to turn from those negative influences in the earth. And here's the things that we need to do. The first thing we need to do is we need to learn who God is. We need to learn who he is so that we can develop his character so we can be like him. That is the most important thing that we need to learn to be a light and to be more like God. The second thing is to pray without ceasing. When you pray without ceasing, it allows you to be able to rebuke the world and to turn from sin. We have to seek God's face for his truth and for direction for everything. And praying um, without ceasing is scriptural. And it doesn't mean getting on your knees and praying, you know, many times a day or all day or even three times a day like Daniel did. It just means conversing with the Lord, having conversation. I'll be in my car looking up at the beautiful sky or the sunset or maybe the trees, the gorgeous fall leaves. And I just thank God for it. I thank God for this masterpiece he gave us. That's prayer. That's worship. Those are things that we can do all day long, having him on our mind, praying without ceasing, thinking about God always. It's so important because it helps keeps us on the right track. The next thing is to repent regularly. We sin regularly. We really do. We make mistakes and we do things we shouldn't do. So we've got to repent for it, repent for it on a regular basis. And we have to ask God to help us overcome those strongholds. Some sin is harder to let go of than others, but we have permission to ask God to help us overcome those strongholds. We also have to um, surround ourselves with positive influences. I talk about this a lot because it's so important to be around other people who are a light so that that can help pull us closer to the light. If you hang out with darkness, you're going to remain in the dark. But if you hang out with people who are a light and you have positive influences in your life, then that light will continue to shine in you and it'll be easier. Also, walk in integrity. Integrity is a missing art, I find, oftentimes today. Integrity is doing the right thing when no one is looking. Walk in integrity. Walk in integrity. God walked in integrity. Jesus walked in integrity. We must walk in integrity too. 
also attend church. I talk about this a lot. Attend church and fellowship with other believers. The Bible says that we should not forsake the assembly of believers. So we should not forsake going to church and being around other like-minded people. It helps us to stay close to God and to stay close to God's people. And it also helps us to grow. It's very, very, very important. So few people are going to church today versus who was going to church many years ago, especially after the pandemic. I mean, people haven't found a need to go back to church. A lot of people are still doing church online. But it's so important to surround yourself with other people and to actually go to church and fellowship. It's important. Love others. Jesus is love. It's so necessary for us to love others. But also it's important to speak the truth. Speak the truth in love because Jesus did that too. It's important. That's God's character. That's Jesus's character to love others and speak the truth in love. Also, everything in moderation, don't do, overdo it. Don't overdo it with food. That's gluttony. It's a sin. Don't overdo it with alcohol. It's a sin. Drunkenness is in the Bible and it's a sin. Drinking was in the Bible and it was not a sin. Newsflash. But drunkenness was a sin. So not going overboard, doing those things in moderation. Everything though should not be done in moderation. There are some things that we should eliminate because it is just sin, period. You've got to know the difference and you've got to get to know God so that you know that. That's God's character. The next thing is seek God to show you your error so that you can avoid deception. So many people are deceived. They don't even know that they're in error. So we need to ask God to help show us where we're missing it. Show us our sin so that we can avoid deception. Additionally, having mentors or spiritual leaders is such a good thing. I have spiritual leaders, people that I turn to, people that are further along in Christ than I am. That is so necessary for me because I need accountability. I think we all do. So it's very important when you go to church, you'll find a spiritual leader. God will lead you to someone who will help lead you and guide you and walk alongside you in this earth, this hard journey that we have here in this earth. Mentors and spiritual leaders, find you one if you don't have one. It's so important. Admit your wrongs. Admit your wrongs. We can't live in denial. Admit when you're wrong. Just say, I'm sorry and move on with life. That will help you eliminate pride. Satan got kicked out of heaven because of pride. We do not want to walk in pride. That is not Jesus's character. It's Satan's character. I don't want Satan's character. I want God's character. So Lord, help me. Lord, help me to admit when I'm wrong. Because there have been times that I've been prideful and I've had a struggle to do that. I'm being honest with you. But it's so important to crucify that flesh that's not saved and allow your spirit man to win and to say you're sorry when you've done something wrong. People sometimes stay away from God and the church because they don't want to be hypocrites. They don't want to be hypocrites. Let me tell you something. We all sin and fall short of the glory. We all sin. Thank God for Jesus, for his grace and his for, for his mercy, for our salvation. My pastor in Winston-Salem used to always say, you don't get good to get saved. You get saved to get good. He used to always say, also say, you don't even know there is a devil until you get saved. So we don't get good. We don't have to get good to get saved. We get saved and then we start becoming good because why? Then we start feeling conviction. Then we start learning about God's character. Then we start wanting to develop a relationship and be drawn closer to him and be more like him. So let's lean in 
Let's stop staying away from the church and thinking that we're going to be hypocrites. If we do, we go to our job where hypocrites are every day. We go out into the marketplace where hypocrites are every day and we still go. So let's go to church. Let's trust God to expose the truth and let's keep our eyes on him, not on man. Because man will fail you. He will absolutely fail you. Keep your eye on prize and on the prize and that's on God. Relationship with God, it takes time. It takes time to cultivate and grow. There's a scriptural parable that I think about when I think of the, the seed, the seed that's on the inside of us um, once we get saved that needs to grow. And that's Matthew 13, 2 through 9. And it's a parable that Jesus shared about a sower. And so the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the seeds that he was sowing, it fell, on, fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured those seeds. Some of them, some of the seeds fell on stony places where they didn't have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth in the earth. They weren't deep enough in the earth. And when the sun came, they were scorched because they had not taken root and then they withered away. But then there were seeds that fell on good ground and they yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. That scripture is so important because that's us. We're, we're a seed. Our seed is either planted deep in the soil so it can grow or it's just thrown out there because we're just going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday morning and so it's thrown out there into those stony places. And what happens? Satan comes along and it, our, our seed is scorched or it withers away or it's, it falls by the wayside and the birds come and eat it. So you've got to be rooted and grounded. Your seed needs to be planted. It's not going to be planted unless you are intentional about building your relationship um, with God, unless you build your house on the rock. I talked about that several weeks ago, back and listened to that message about building your house on the rock. It's so important so that those seeds will be planted deep and so that Satan won't be able to come and tempt us and take us right back into the world. We got to let them get planted and it takes time. My question to you is what kind of seed have you planted? Have you planted any seeds? My seed has been steady growing, growing over the years, and I still haven't arrived, but it's pretty deep. So Satan might try to come in, and he might even be able to distract me for a minute, but he cannot take me back. There is nothing in this world that would take me all the way back to that old life that would allow me to backslide. I can't do it. There's too much at stake, and I love the Lord too much, and this life is too good with God to go back. When I first got saved in 2002, I had to cut everything off cold turkey because I was a heathen in the world. I had to cut everything off. For three years, I cut everything off. When I say everything, I mean all the things that I felt I needed to cut off to grow closer to Christ. I cut out secular music. I stopped smoking weed. I didn't drink alcohol. I stopped partying. Those are the things that I was doing that was keeping me from God. I stopped. I stopped at cold turkey. I had to do that so that my seed could be rooted and grounded so that it did not fall by the wayside and Satan come and, and devour it. I had to do it. I don't know what you need to do to draw yourself closer to God, but you got to do it so that you can be rooted and grounded in the word and so that you can be a light. This is an everyday journey. I've been here for 20 years and I can tell you what, Satan does still sometimes distract me. I said it just a moment ago. And when that happens, I have to check myself and I have to lean in. I have to repent and change my focus. The Bible says to crucify our flesh daily. We have to crucify our flesh daily. 
because it will never be saved. I'm going to keep saying that. Do you need to get your fire back, that fire you had when you first got saved, when you first believed? I believe there's someone out there listening to me, and they feel this. They are feeling this word. God is speaking to you. I want to tell you right now, God is not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He loves you so much, and he's elated that you care. He's elated that right now you're dealing with some guilt. The Bible says that he's standing at the door waiting. He's waiting for you. He's waiting to sup with you, have supper, have an intimate relationship and conversation with you. Will you let him in today? I hope you will. I hope you won't let that guilt just cause that seed to fall by the wayside and then Satan come right back in and take over. I hope that you will begin to focus more on God so that you can be rooted and grounded and so that nothing and nothing by any means can take you back into the world. There's nothing there. There are other people that are church hurt. Some don't want to be a hypocrite and then others are church hurt. I met a guy a week or so ago and um, he was gay. He, He was gay and he was really cool. So we had an open dialogue about him being gay. I asked him if he believes in a higher power and he said that he does, but he said that he was shunned by the church when he was young. And a lot of people are. A lot of people who have backslidden or who've made choices that aren't God-like, they're shunned. And I, I told him in the conversation that I'm a strong believer in Christ. I have a Christian podcast and I love the Lord. And what I heard God say to me while he was talking is just love him. He just needs to be loved on. Loved on. So I didn't look down on him. I didn't ostracize him. I just loved him. I showed him the love of Christ. I showed him the love of Christ. And in the first conversation, I did not tell him that he is wrong for being gay. I did not. That is not what God wanted me to do. Because that would be me shunning him once again or throwing salt on a wound. But what am I going to do? I'm going to see him again. And I'm going to talk to him again. And I'm going to build a relationship with him. And in building a relationship with him, eventually we'll get to the point where we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what he feels. I asked him if he always believed that he was gay. And he actually told me that he did for as long back as he can remember. And I can't judge that because I don't know what wounds there are. I don't know what he's been through. I don't know what type of tragedy he's gone through in his life that made him turn in that direction. I don't know. So I can't judge that man. The only thing I can do is be led by God to do and say to him whatever it is that I need to say to him to help him be saved and help him become who he is supposed to be. That's all I can do. And that's what we have to do. I've been church hurt myself before. I have, um, but I had to get over it and I couldn't take offense. And I had to learn that my pastor is a human being too. Um, and that he, he fails and he misses it just like I do. I will tell you this, though. I have so much respect for a pastor who will, who will admit they're wrong and who will actually stand on the pulpit when it's been seen publicly and they'll admit it and they'll talk about it. I have so much respect for them. Your pastor is supposed to love you and make you feel wanted. That's what they're supposed to do. And if they miss it, God bless them for it. Your pastor and your leaders, they are humans, but they are held to a higher standard. So you don't have to get mad and you don't have to get offended. God will deal with them. He will. He will. They're going to miss it. They're going to mess up. They have issues too. We all have issues. And don't get me wrong though. They need to discern and they need to repent. They need to walk upright. They're commanded to do what we all are. But 
If they miss it, you continue to love on them. If God leads you to go somewhere else, to leave a church and go somewhere else, do that. But don't take what someone else did to you, a pastor or a leader. Don't take that out on God. Keep searching until you find the place that you're supposed to be. But don't expect not to ever be offended in church. You're going to be offended. Don't take offense. Don't allow it to lead you astray or cause you to walk away. That's a trick of the enemy. And you're also going to be corrected in church. You're supposed to be. That's what it's for is to help you grow and to be healed and whole. Sometimes I feel a, a kicking when I'm a beating when I'm in church and I need it. I need it. It holds me accountable. It will hold you accountable. It will help you grow and it will help you be that light. It will help you to set an example for others because that's our goal in life. You also, it's important to get involved. If you're in church and you've been there any length of time, why are you still warming the pews or the seats? It is time to get up and get involved. Shame on you if you've been there and you've not gotten involved. Get involved. Be active. And I'm not saying that to convict anybody. There have been times I've taken breaks because of things going on in my life, because I just needed to sin under the word, and that's okay. But I can't stay on the bench. There comes a time you've got to get back in the game or get in the game for the first time if it's the first time. Helping others is a huge motivator to get out of yourself and to be a light. The last person that I'm going to talk about is Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate example. Jesus, he's everything. That's who we want to be, right? That's whose character we want. So we got to we gotta finish off with Jesus. Let me talk about Jesus' character traits. I talked a little about Daniel. Let's talk about Jesus, the man. Jesus, first of all, was a servant. He was a servant. He was so selfless. He walked the earth for 33 years and ministered the last three years, and he served his disciples. At the Last Supper, right before he died, he set an example to us to show us he's a servant by washing those dirty, stinking, bare feet of the disciples. The roads were not paved. They were walking barefooted on the roads. He washed their feet. He sat down and he washed the disciples' feet. That was an example to us to be a servant. Even if you're a leader, you are to be a servant. He was a leader, but he served first. So Jesus was a servant. The next thing is Jesus was ruthless. He was ruthless. Jesus turned the tables over in the temple in Matthew 21, 12 through 13. I love that verse because I'm a little bit ruthless myself. Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. So he didn't just turn over one table. He turned over all the tables. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. They were pimping the church. And Jesus got angry. Yeah, Jesus got angry. And he turned those tables over. That's where I said early, you walk in love, but you can walk in love with the truth. With the truth. Jesus told the truth. He was ruthless. Yes, he was ruthless. The next one is Jesus confronted sin. In John 4, Jesus confronted a Samaritan woman. Obviously, there's more examples of this, but I'm just sharing with you one. There's many, many examples of Jesus being ruthless and Jesus confronting sin. So the woman um, that he confronted in sin was a woman of Samaria. And she came to draw water. And Jesus was there at the well. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. He said, give me a drink to the woman. And the woman of Samaria said, 
How's it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? See, the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that says, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered her in verse 13. It says, Jesus answered her and said, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come to draw. So he was not talking about water that we drink to to quench our thirst. He was talking about him, the living water. And she wanted it. Now she's like, I want it. So Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. This is where he's, he's confronting her sin. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have said well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you're with now is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. So you were telling the truth. He said, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. So he confronted her for the five husbands she's had. And he's like, and the one you have right now, you're shacking up with him. He ain't even your husband. That's what Jesus said to this woman. And she couldn't believe it because she saw then he's a prophet and he knew the truth. Jesus confronted sin. We should confront sin, not only in the lives of others, but especially in our life. Confront sin. Confront the devil. That's confronting Satan head on. I love it. The next thing that Jesus did is he honored his father. He honored God. In John 5 and 19, it says, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Like father, like son, Jesus did what the father God did. So we, building Jesus' character, being like Jesus, should do what Jesus does. What would Jesus do? The title of the message. Jesus knew his authority. That's the next one. He honored the father. He knew his authority. That's Matthew 11 and 27. The scripture says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the Son to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So Jesus knew his authority, and he walked it out. He knew who he was. He knew that he was God's Son. He knew it. He also knew his authority with Satan. See, Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness in Matthew 4, 11, uh, 1 through 11. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Three times Satan tempted Jesus by distorting the word of God. He distorted. He knew the Bible, but he twisted it. And all three times Jesus came back to him with the true word of God, the truth. Jesus knew his authority. Do you know your authority? Because the Bible says in Luke 10 and 19, Behold, I give you, you and me, the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
nothing. And it says in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, and he put all things, not some, not a few, not most. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things of the church, which is the body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So we have power and authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and to put Satan and his imps under our feet. Lastly, Jesus knew he was a king. Revelations 19 and 16 says that on his robe and on his thigh, a name written is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. What does that mean? It means we're kings too. We're kings and queens because he is the king of the kings. We're kings. He is the, the head king. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He was a king. We are queens and kings and we need to walk that out too. The last thing that Jesus did, which is the most important thing, is he made the ultimate sacrifice. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He died on the cross for our sins. So that means to me that Jesus comes before anything and all things and anyone. He said to the disciples, take up your cross and follow me. The disciples left everything and followed God. See, we have to follow God if that means leaving people behind. If that means letting go of negativity and negative people, then we got to do it. Because we have to take up our cross and we have to follow him. Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye first, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Take up your cross and follow God. He comes first. He comes before everything and everybody. So we must obey him and we must have his character. And to have his character, we must follow him. So let me repeat one more time the, the, the things that Jesus did, Jesus' character, and the things that we need to do to have his character. We first need to be a servant. We need to be the ruthless and tell the truth, but do it in love. We need to confront sin, our sin and other sin, when we're supposed to, when God tells us to. We have to honor God at all costs. We honor him as our father and our first love. We must know our authority so that we can tell Satan to go back to hell where he came from and his imps when they try to come and tempt us. We must know our authority. We must know that we are kings and queens and stand tall and stand strong, but not with pride, but knowing that we are king's kids. We're God's kids. We must sacrifice and crucify our flesh and follow God, take up our cross and follow God. And the one other thing I didn't share that we have to sometimes do to be able to do all this is fast. Jesus fasted in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross because he didn't know if he was strong enough to be able to do it without it. So sometimes to break those strongholds and to fight through those things and to be closer to God, we must fast and turn our plates over or fast and, and, and do without whatever we need to do without so that we can grow closer to God and get rid of the strongholds. Jesus is our ultimate example, and he is who we have to follow. Maybe something tragic has happened to you in your life, and you're mad at God right now. You don't understand why bad things happen to good people. I don't understand it either. It's not meant for me to understand. But what I do know is that God reigns on the just and the unjust, so unsaved people are sometimes blessed too. 
This is not our home, but I know, and I hope you know, that God is faithful. Please turn back to him. I promise you will see his love and his hand on your life and on the lives of the ones you love if you search for it. He said, seek me while I can be found. Call on me while I am near. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with each one of his children, with you and with me. If you read the Old Testament, you will see that God grieved severely because his people turned from him. All he wanted was repentance. All he wanted was for them to turn back to him for a relationship. That's all he wanted. It's all he wants from you and me. That's what he wants. Today is the day. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Thank him for your life and the things that he's blessed you with. He's our creator and he deserves to be worshiped, to be honored, to be loved, and to be praised. I am confident that you will always have a void in this life until you accept Jesus Christ as your savior and you accept him as your helper. He is your refuge and your strength. He is your prince of peace. There's no better feeling than having closeness to God. As I said before, I will never go back. I can't. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like the high that I get from hearing from God and having a relationship with him. You've got to know that no matter what, he is there and he will see you through any and all situations. And if you've strayed away, it's time to come back. He's waiting on you with open arms. If you've never had a relationship with him, and you're unsure what to believe, I encourage you to take a chance on the Lord and watch him show up and show out in your life. But you got you to gotta stay in it. You got to stay in it because Satan will come and he'll take that seed and he'll take you right back to your old life. So you got to stay in it till you can watch the seed begin to grow. It takes time to cultivate a relationship and for your seed to grow. And if you already have a relationship with God, a strong relationship, keep at it. Keep at it because you've not arrived. I know you haven't. You never will. We never will, but we will grow closer to him each and every single day. If we stay in this fight, we fight the good fight of faith. We should wake up every single morning, loving him and honoring him and thanking him. Wake up thinking of him with him on our mind and making an impact in the earth is what we're supposed to do. Let's all light up this world together. One man can change the world. He can make a change in the world. But imagine what we can do if we are all on one accord doing it together. Let's do it. Let's be like the light all together at a concert where it lights up the stadium and it's so beautiful. Let's do that. Let's all do that together for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God, I just thank you. I thank you for this word that you put on my heart. Let's just pray for all my listeners. I pray that no matter where they are today in their lives, that they will be drawn closer to you, that they will have a desire to be with you, to grow in you, God, and to be all that they've called, that you've called them to be. We thank you. We love you. We rejoice in your holy name. And we just pray to you these in all of our prayers and questions. Thank you, God, and thank you, podcast listeners. I've gone over on my time today, so I'm sorry. I try to keep it within 30, 32 minutes max, but it was a lot to say. Um, I hope you be blessed, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Take care. Bye-bye. This was Kingdom Talk with Tanya. Thank you for listening.